All right, it's really good to have you here this morning, and a special welcome to all the online church. How are you doing? Um, uh, they're joining us today, live stream. So if you're in-house, let's welcome the online church. All right. <laughs> Woo! Love that. <laughs> it's great having you with us today as we... Uh, come together and talk about relationships. We're talking about relationships and what God has to say to speak into our relational lives, which is a huge thing for us. I, I think there's a lot of talk, and maybe you hear a lot of talk these days about culture, about culture. Now, when someone refers to culture, it can refer to a number of different things. And so this morning, we're not going to talk about culture as it relates to the kind of food or, or the dress or the architecture, you know, Roman culture or, or Greek culture. What we want to talk about this morning is relational culture. What's the relational climate of the group of people that you're associated with. For example, when people go to look for a new job, for example, um, it's uh, people historically have asked two questions. What kind of work is it and what kind of pay? What kind of work and what kind of pay, right? And some of you think, well, those are the only questions to ask. But no, the question that's asked all the time now is, okay, what kind of culture is there in the workplace? In other words, what's the workplace environment? Is this like a corporate culture, or is it loose, casual? Are you free to risk things? Is it open to change? Or is this workplace culture more rigid, more structured? Is it toxic? Is it negative and critical? And everybody's, you know, dehumanizing. It's a dehumanizing work environment. And so it, they're talking about the relational culture. Uh, you can visit college campuses, you know, and, and hit different campuses. And if you're getting the tour or hearing about the school, oftentimes they'll say, well, this is a place that we promote a culture of, and they'll fill in the blank. I've heard colleges say, I've been through admissions meetings, and they'll say, we promote a culture of diversity. So that's the culture of the campus. Some will say, this is a culture of learning. You know, we're highly into learning. And then there are other cultures. You talk to the students, and they go, this is a party culture, man. This is where you want to come to school uh, for that reason. So like Ashland even, we describe Ashland as a small-town Midwest culture. And it's talking about relationships and the relational climate. What we want to look at specifically today is what is the culture that God has in mind for the household of God, for his church, for his people as they are put together in his church? What kind of culture does God have in mind? It's interesting when Paul writes to Timothy, he writes to this young pastor who's a young pastor in the church. And, um, and Paul says, look, I, I, I hope to come and see you soon. But if I can't make it, I want to write to you about how things ought to work. And look at what he says. He says, I, if I delay, you will know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. Paul says, look, Timothy, uh, you're a young pastor. I want to tell you how people should conduct themselves in the household of God, which is, by the way, the church of the living God. Now, the New Testament has all kinds of descriptions. Scripture describes what kind of conduct and what kind of culture 
that God desires for his children to grow and thrive in. Um, you know, it's a very unique culture. When you read scripture and God describes what he's thinking about in his church, it is very unique to any other culture you're involved in, any other cultural setting you're in. The church is totally unique. And here's why. The reason why is the church is made up of people uh, this is a supernatural community. It is a grace-endowed community because it's made up of people who are born of God, who are new creations. Um, the body of Christ is uh, it's the life of Christ connects the body of Christ, which is connected to the head of the body, who is the living Lord Jesus Christ. So when you put those kind of of supernatural resources together, the potential for what this community of people could function at is, is staggering to think about. Christians are, uh, are called, understandably, no matter what culture or environment you're in, work, school, or whatever, we're called to be salt and light in the world, right? And to, to bring Christ and you will have a part in shaping and establishing the culture no matter where you're going through the week. But, but God gives specific instructions to his church about how we are supposed to relate to one another. It's interesting to me in Galatians chapter 6 when uh, uh, Paul writes to this to the church, Now let's not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Boy, there's an encouraging word to everybody right now, right? In the crazy times in which you live, Paul says, look, don't grow weary of doing good. Uh, in due season you reap, you don't give up. And then he says this, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, throughout the week, wherever. And then he says, and especially to those who are of the household of faith or who are a part of the family of God. And so we're in this series called Hashtag uh, Relatable. And we've talked about the value of relationships. Last week we talked about the need for the skill of understanding. You know, all you need is love. Well, we need more than that. We need to know how to love. And God is the source of all wisdom and understanding related to that. And today, now we want to talk about the importance of investing. In other words, the culture that God has in mind, the relational culture God has in mind for his people, for his church, for the household of God, is that it's a group of people who are devoted to getting together and investing in one another. Now, I, I will tell you, before we get into the scriptures on this, um, I'm going to we're going to take us to the scriptures, and we're going to listen to a description of what this looks like. I want to tell you, if you want to know what it looks like in real people, go and watch the video you just saw again of Fred and Sean Brown. What everything I'm going to preach about, what it looks like when it comes out in a real life, in a real setting, is what you heard from Fred and Sean Brown. It's a life of investing, devoted to getting together and investing in one another. So let's unpack this a little bit. All right, the first thing is, is uh, it's, a, it's a culture where people are devoted to getting together. Uh, turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 10, all right? If, real quick, or 
It'll, it'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Um, your Bible is underneath your coffee cup on the, on the end table right there. That's it. All right, there it is. So Hebrews 10, listen, listen to, these, to these words. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So God's people, the church, his household, they're a group of people who are very devoted to meeting together. It is a part of the habit of their lives. It takes priority in their schedule. We do church. I'm there. See, these are not casual church fans. These are season ticket holders. We've all had people, friends we run into, maybe haven't seen in a while, or even family members who say, you know what, we need to get together sometime. You know, every time I talk to my brother, he lives up in Detroit, I go, man, you know, we ought to meet you guys down in Toledo and go out to dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess how many times we've met in Toledo and gone to dinner? Zero. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, somebody has to be devoted to going, I'm going to set it up. Here's the time. Here's the date. And I'm there. Okay, so people in the household of God, this is the kind of attitude they take to church. I'm there. It's in my schedule. It's a non-negotiable. Now, typically in God's household around the world, okay, how does God's household around the world typically meet? It's typically on Sunday morning. Look across the globe. This is when they meet together. Now, this is something important to understand. Throughout church history, for the last 2,000 years, it is a very foreign concept to the church culture. It's very foreign in the culture for someone to say, well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. It's like, what? That is foreign to the culture that God says the church of the living God has. I'm a Christian and I don't need to go to church. I can be a Christian and not go to church. I remember thinking that as a kid. Um, I grew up in a house where um, I wouldn't have dreamed asking the question on Saturday night, hey, by the way, are we going to church tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, if I ever said that, my folks would go, what's wrong with you, boy? Did you lose your mind? It's Sunday. We're in church. I mean, it was, abs it was a part of our culture as a family, and it was just what we did. And so, you know, I wondered, hey, how come I got to go to church all the time? My buddies are playing hockey this morning. How come I'm not playing hockey? You know, it, it was that kind of a thing. And, and I remember, you know, hey, is this legalistic? I could be a Christian not to go to church every Sunday, whatever. And then I heard, I heard this story. As a kid, it registered with me. Pastor told this story about a guy who says, I could be a Christian, I don't need to come to church. So the pastor went and visited the guy in his house. He's sitting in front of the fireplace. And the guy's just chatting with him and, and talking. And, and the pastor took a, one of those pokers, you know, for the fire, and he took a coal from the fire, and he knocked it away from the fire and just moved it on top of the mantle there, the hearth of the fireplace. And the two of them just sat and watched as that coal cooled off and died. And the pastor said, that's what happens when Christians don't meet together. 
There are people devoted going, I got to get together for corporate worship. You understand, we all need this. I need this. I need to meet together with you and worship and saturate ourselves in the word of God. I mean, this morning, this morning, all right, I, I got up, we're getting ready to go, and my wife is, is at home, and she's going through the music, and, and we're going to do Christ Be Magnified. I said, honey, I am so glad we're doing this song this morning. I need to get together and sing that song with our people. I need this. I need this. I met at 8 o'clock this morning. There's a guy that meets, and we pray together. There's a guy on the elder board. We pray together over the service. And what he shared with me, he just shared with me a little bit of Scripture and a story. And I'm telling you, it ministered to me. It was a powerful thing. I need to meet together, and I am very devoted to doing that. I need to. Romans says that in Christ, we all form one body. His church is one body. And listen, in each member belongs to one another. Each member belongs to the others. And so it's not, hey, this is just me. I'll do a Christian. I'll check out church when I want to. No, no, no. You belong to each other. You're in the family. And, and then Romans also says this, none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. This is a part of church culture from the very beginning of the church. When the church is born in Acts chapter 2, when you watch what kind of relational culture they had, it says very clearly in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, listen to what it says, and they devoted themselves. This is a part of the culture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of the bread and prayers. They committed to meeting together. So I, I want to say a shout out to every single grace group leader that's listening. If you're sitting at home and you're watching this, if you're in the room and you're a grace group leader, it, we have had, you have had to be people who are devoted to meeting together. It's like, how do we get the people together? You're doing it on Zoom, you're doing it during the week, you're finding a way, find out. In fact, if you're a grace group leader um, and you're in the room, I, I, I'd like you to stand up. I'd like you to stand up right now. I see a whole bunch, I see a number of you, all right? If you're at home watching, stand up in the living room and the people in the room are gonna cheer for you. All right, we, we need to thank these, we need to thank these people. For what they're what they're doing they're devoted to getting together hey online church i i know you guys talk to me all the time you say dan i i just really miss being there right now this is the best we can do and you say i can't wait to get back i get it we can't wait for you to get back because you know stay committed to this the best way you can and get back in here when you can. This is good. The church, we need to meet together. As people have come in for the first time, and slowly you guys are coming back in for the first time, I hear it over and again. Oh, it is so good. First time I've been back since March, people say. It's so good to get together. That's right. That's the, that's the culture of the household of God. Um, some of you uh, maybe watch home improvement shows. Uh, they cycle quite a bit at my house, not my choosing, but I love my wife. And um, so, you know, maybe on the home improvement shows, once in a while they're doing a total rehab of a house, and they'll come to a chimney or a brick fireplace in its brick, and they'll say, we need to tuck point this wall. 
Now, if you don't know what tuck pointing is, I do because I actually worked for a, 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 a bricklayer. I was a tender, mixed mud, did all that good stuff. All right? And so I actually tuck pointed brick walls. What it is, if you see on the screen on the right-hand side, uh, there's, a, there's a chimney that's in desperate need of tuck pointing. What it is, and the guy on the left is doing it, you have to mix up some mortar, and then it's very tedious. You take a little thin trowel, and then you put the mortar in between all of those joints, every single one of those joints between the bricks. You go through, and you put the mortar in, and it's got to be attentive and it's slow and it's tedious and you think does this really matter and guess what it does because it reestablishes the stability of the wall i thought about tuck pointing when i thought about the weekly gathering of the church you go oh does it really matter i'm here i'm not does it really matter to my growth and stability and everything else and listen the church culture is not neglecting the regular meeting because it matters. It stabilizes the wall. I, I couldn't help but think of the description that Peter gives of the church. In 1 Peter chapter 2, this is the picture that he gives, that God gives him. He says this, we as church, we are living stones, it says in, in 1 Peter 2, 5. We are living stones, and, and Christ is the chief cornerstone, right? We are living stones, listen, being built up as a spiritual house. So listen, no stone stands alone. We're not just a rolling, you know, we're a rolling stone. I am a rock, I am an island. No, you're a part of the household of God, and it's a building that living stones are being built up together. You know, the powerful dynamic resources in the community called the Church of the Living God are the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the people of God. And you have to immerse your lives in these things for you to thrive uh, in, in your walk with Christ. So that's the first thing. They're very, the culture in the household of God, they're devoted to getting together. Now, second, notice what they do when they get together. They're devoted to investing in one another. This is important. Um, in Hebrews, again, notice, you know, don't get out of the habit of meeting together. All right, I'm meeting together. Well, that's, that's nice. That's kind of step one, right? But what are you doing when you meet together? This is what the Bible instructs. Here's the kind of culture you create when you meet together. You don't just check in, take attendance. He says, here it is. For let us consider, this is Hebrews 10, 24, let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but we're encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That's interesting. So when these people come to a church meeting, they have prepared for the meeting. What? If you've been on boards or meetings, and I've been on boards and different things, a lot of times before I come to the board meeting, I need to prepare for the meeting. When people come to church, the culture is they prepare for the meeting. What are they doing? They're considering how to stir one another up to love and good deeds. And they're considering how. How do we encourage each other all the more as they see the day approaching? So they're coming to meet together. And they've got people on their minds. 
They're thinking about it. Man, last week, so-and-so was talking about this. I wonder how they're doing. And you get together. How are you doing? I was thinking about you, praying for you. How can I encourage you? How can I, and, and, and you know, somebody else getting, well, I'm getting a little busy. You know what? I love you. How about a kick in the pants? How about if I meet with you? How about if we do this? You're stirring. It's a very vibrant community. You know, when, 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 the, when the scriptures describe church life, I mean, this is not checking an attendance box. Okay, I came in, I sat down for an hour, and I checked the things out, and I leave grading the music. You, you, have, you, you don't understand church culture. This is not a casual coffee and donut time and talk about sports and the weather. Now, I like coffee and donuts. I can't wait till they get back in here. All right? So we got coffee and donuts. That, absolutely. And, and do you guys ever engage me in the hallway about sports? Yeah, lay off me about Michigan, all right? Hey, lay off me. All right? No. Uh, sports and the weather? Of course. But listen, that's not what it's about. That's not where the conversation stays. That's not it at all. No way, man. This is a very robust, engaging community as people get together and go, I'm committed and devoted to investing in you, your good, your encouragement, your strength. That's another level. I mean, you notice in Acts chapter 2, they were devoted to. Notice what they were devoted to. It says in Acts chapter 2, I, I, I love it, man. Talk about a relational dynamic. And they devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching. So they got together, and the apostles are going, feed me, man. I got to know the scriptures. I got to know the word of God. There wasn't this attitude. Oh, we're going to come to church for here, a 35-minute lecture? No, that, that, that was foreign. That is foreign to their mind, foreign to church culture. They come and go, we got to have the word of God. And part of us meeting together is the teaching of the word of God and the feeding of the word of God. It's absolutely. And to fellowship. That's not, you know, casual hanging out. No, they're engaged in each other's lives. They're in and talking to and walking with each other in their, their lives. And to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Wow, you actually pray for each other? Yeah, how's it going? You asked us to pray last week. You know, it's just an amazing community. Listen, this is not, you know, sometimes in, in churches, oh, we're going to get together, you know, we're going to do church, really. Yeah, it's a glass of wine, and you're hanging out, and, and somebody quotes an inspiring Bible verse. Really? That's not what I'm reading. That's not the, you know what, frankly, I don't have time for that kind of environment. I, I need something more engaging, more robust, more, more that's going to help. I mean, listen, what was the church in the scriptures devoted to? They were devoted to a relational culture of growth and learning and praying and caring and challenging and encouraging and holding each other accountable and saying, listen, remember who you are. We are people of God and we are walking in a manner worthy of Christ. Here we go. And by the way, Jesus is coming. This isn't going to be much longer. It's important what we're here for. That's the relational culture of the household of God. Are you in a 
Are you in those kinds of relationships? Are you investing? Do you come to church and go to your group time with that kind of mentality? I, I know some of you online have embraced that mentality. You're going, man, this is driving me crazy, Dan. We're on church. You're watching online. And I've talked to some of you. They say, look, we're watching online. But then, you know, the chat comes up on the side. You're looking at who those people are. You're texting them, making phone calls. I know some of you are buying boxes of cards all the time and going, man, I've heard about this and this. I'm going to send a card. You're making a meal and sending it. Good job. You understand. I'm not just hanging out online. No, you're, you're meeting to devote yourself to one another. There's lots of examples in the Scripture. I'm just going to hit a couple of them. There are certain passages of Scripture that really unfold what this relational community that God has in mind is. And it's, it's incredible. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read through one of them. The other ones... I think we're just going to touch on uh, because of time. Uh, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3. Turn there and, and, and get it on your device real quick. I want to walk through this. Listen to this. Listen to this culture. Listen to this culture, relationship culture. It's a stunning to me. Chapter 3, verse 12. I like the, the NIV version here. It says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. So before we talk about the relational community investing, you've got to talk about who's in the community and the potential. We are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved by God. So that's why this is a supernatural, grace-endowed community that comes together. So how do they relate to one another? Well, listen to this. We clothe ourselves with compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against one another, look, they're not a bunch of thin-skinned, well, that offended me. I, you know, we're bearing with one another. One has a complaint against another. Forgiving each other. Well, this was wrong. They wronged me. Okay, how, how does the household of God? Man, you, you forgive each other. Above all the things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, this is a group of people going, I love you. You know, you are ornery, and you, are, you drive me crazy, but I love you, and we're going to make this go. I know there's a deep disagreement. I know we don't agree on it, but you know what? I love you, and we're committed to each other, and we're going to make this. We're going to work through this thing. Why? Because we're family. This is the church of the living God. The potential of ironing, sharpening, ironing is staggering. Let's do this together. See, this is the culture. It's not like, well, I'm offended. I'm leaving the church. Seriously? That, that's not the description at all of the kind of community and then it goes on and says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And so as you're having relational issues with people, the peace of Christ can umpire and the Spirit of God can give direction and wisdom and how to love in the situations, which indeed you are to do as we're called to one body. And be thankful. There's always this positive, yes, we analyze things. Yes, we don't stick our head in the sand regarding problems. But we're always positive and thankful. Why? Because we got Jesus, and we win in the end, for heaven's sakes. And he's sovereign, and he's good. How can we not be positive and thankful? 
And then verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So in other words, people in the household of God are saturating their hearts and minds in the scriptures on a regular basis. And so then when they come together, it spills out. And they teach each other and admonish one another in all wisdom. They go, man, God helped me so much last week with this passage of scripture. Listen to this. It really helped me. It brought me comfort. It brought me hope. It brought me wisdom. It brought me encouragement. That's cool. Somebody else is struggling over here and say, well, man, well, look at this passage of Scripture here. Look at this over here. It's just a part of the culture. It's a Scripture saturated. and We're communicating the Word of God back together and feeding each other. And there's, there's life and it's vibrant. And we're singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. When you came in here this morning, are you singing? You go, oh, Dan, I don't sing. I can't sing. It doesn't say sing good. It doesn't say sing in a way that's going to get you on the voice. It says, sing, come in here and grunt, moan, make a noise because of the joy in your heart and who it is you worship, for heaven's sakes, right? It is a, that's the kind of culture that God says, hey, you guys really have me as your Savior? Has really Jesus paid it all? Has Jesus paid it all? Seriously? Tell your face, you know, tell your voice uh, about it. There you go. That's the, that's the, that's the culture. So, so this is, this is an, an amazing picture that we have. Um, a guy named Tim Kesey is his name. He's a missionary. I read an article that he wrote just back in October. Well, that's a while ago, October. Time flies. Listen to what he says. He's a missionary. And this is a powerful thing about what the household of God, what the relational climate is like, culture is like. He says, a few days after Christmas, during the last year of the war in Bosnia. So you see where he's at? He's in the war in Bosnia. He said, I was sitting on the roadside at night inside of some bombed out city, some bombed out village. He was studying a map, listening to the voice of America because he was on his way to Sarajevo and he was trying to get some news about the fighting and all the stuff that was going on in Sarajevo. And he says he sat there and the snowflakes coming down in front of his, his headlights. On Voice of America came Louis Armstrong, Satchmo, singing, It's a wonderful world. And the last verse goes, the colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, are also on the faces of people going by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? They're really saying, I love you. Then I think to myself, what a wonderful world. And he says, I was sitting in the middle of a vast killing field in which the ethnic cleansing among the Croats, the Serbs, and the Bosnians had left 100,000 people dead in the previous four years and an additional 2 million people displaced, all in a region the size of the state of Wyoming. And this war was just the latest of a centuries-long list of ethnic, religious, and political bloodletting, as has often been said in the Balkans, too much history, too little geography. 
He said, then I went into the house where a Croatian pastor was discipling two new believers. One was a Serb, one was a Bosnian. Over supper, they shared their stories of God's transforming grace and of a cross-centered forgiveness that is so complete that having been reconciled to God, they now were reconciled to each other as well, which is a powerful story because as they shared their stories around the table, they all had family and friends who were killed and homes destroyed by militants and ethnic groups represented by each of the people around the table. Your people killed my people. Your people raped my people. Around the table, they were still Croat, they were still Serb, they were still Bosnian, but somehow, strangely, supernaturally, they were also family. He said he looked around and their children were playing together. Their wives were talking together. And they all worshiped together in the same church. Listen, you will not find a relational culture anywhere in the world like what God has for his church. The New Testament has all kinds of specific instructions. Comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort we receive from God in our afflictions. You heard Fred and Sean Brown talk about that with miscarriages. Listen, God never wastes any of your pain. And so we bring this, and the comfort that we receive, we invest with other people. Bear one another's burdens. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Honor one another. Honor one another. Multi-generations, we honor one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. When people sin, you go, this is, gets ugly, man. Christians still sin, and sometimes it's bad. Right, what do you do? What do you do? You talk about it, you just go, oh, man, God's so bad. No, no. Brothers, uh, Galatians 6, if anyone's caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. No, this is a grace saturated. No, we get into this thing. Well, what if somebody sins and walks away and they're openly, rebelliously living in sin and claiming to be a Christian and part of the church? What do you do? You go after them, Matthew 18 tells you. It's that kind of culture, that kind of community. You care so much about them that you go after them and say, I love you too much to sit back and watch you destroy yourself. You've got to come back to Jesus. Come on. You've got to come back, and I'll walk with you. And then when they turn and repent, God grants them repentance, then you restore them, man. You walk with them in this stuff. This is, hey, man, we're talking church, guys. Well, yeah, just meet together. Oh, I don't, I don't have to. I can be a Christian and not go to church. <laughs> really? I guess you don't understand church. Very devoted to investing in one another. 1 Peter 4, you might wonder what you have to offer. Say, what do I have to offer? Well, all your suffering and all your pain you have to offer. You're also gifted by God at the moment of salvation. And 1 Peter brings this up, that at the moment of salvation, when you come into the household of God, you've been gifted, endowed by God with different gifts. And so what God instructs you to do is serve others with your giftedness and the grace that God has given you. 
That's what 1 Peter 4 is all about when he says, as each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. So we're, we're talking about church culture. It's a very, very powerful culture made up of people who are really selfless servants. And they come in and they are devoted to stewarding God's grace and the giftedness in all of their lives to invest in other people and they invest in them. It's an amazing environment. I have to be a part of it if I'm going to thrive and survive as a Christian. That's why I love one of our value statements. We have, we have these value statements, and this is number five. Now, in, in all that I just read in Scripture, now, now you understand why this is so important, right? It says, we are contributors, not consumers. We exist to serve others with a relentless love and a Christ. We are, we are contributors, not consumers. This is why it's so important. Everything that I just read about church culture and environment, Listen, people in church can tend to be one of two things. Either they're consumers of the culture or they're contributors to the culture. You will always have people that come into church and say, wow, look at all these people wanting to invest in me and to serve me and to treat me with it. I think I'm just going to come and consume this. <laughs> And guess what? They're never happy. They're never happy. Consumers in the church are never happy with the church because it's never enough. And they are the critical and the grumpy, and they're saying, you know, I'm not getting anything out of church. Well, because you don't put anything in. You don't understand how the relational culture works. See, contributors... We're contributors, not consumers. That's, that's what God calls us to be in the culture. We are contributors to the culture. We are people devoted to investing in one another. And when you do that, you enjoy the benefits and you thrive in the culture. It's a crazy thing how it works. Did you hear Fred and Sean Brown say, man, we, we invest in other people. Guess what? We find out they're investing in us. Ha. Ah. This is the supernatural household of God. You get it. All right, Ephesians. I, I don't have time. I, I wish I, I did. Ephesians chapter 4 describes, again, the, the, the relational culture of the church. It basically says the pastors are there not to do all the ministry and the work. The pastors are there to invest in the people, to equip you all to do the work of the ministry so that you build one another up and the church grows and thrives with truth so that we're not children tossed back and forth by all the philosophical ideas and craziness out there. No, we got to get together, encourage each other, build one another up so that we grow together and the head of the church is Christ. And this is how it all works. And, and Paul in Ephesians 4 uses this illustration of the body and, and then as every part of the body is doing its part, everybody's devoted to investing, the church just thrives in a very powerful way. That's what he says at the end in chapter 4. He says, you speak the truth in love and we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped 
when each part is working, in other words, when everybody in the church, all the people of God, are devoting themselves and investing, when each person is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. It's an amazing thing. Um, you know what this, you ever seen a rowing team? Um, they don't call it a rowing team. If I say it's a rowing team, you'll go, you don't know what you're talking about. Because rowing teams, you know what they call them? A crew. This is not a rowing team. It's called a crew. Now, you, what's the dude in the back? See the guy with the, the flag on his back? Looks like he's just hanging out there. He doesn't have an oar. He's probably drinking a Starbucks coffee. You go, who's this guy? What's he doing in the back? Well, that is what they call the coxswain. He's the guy that sits in the back, and he tells the guys rowing when to row and where to row the boat. I don't know if you've ever seen a crew go down a river. I have. It's amazing to watch. I mean, I, I, I still remember downtown Toledo, the river there, and here comes this, I didn't even hear him. It's, it, you almost can't hear him. And all of a sudden you're going, Whoo! I mean, it's an incredible picture of power and grace. It's amazing what happens, listen, when everyone is pulling in unity to the rhythm of the voice of the leader. And I want to tell you something. <laughs> it's amazing what a church can be when everyone is investing in one another to the rhythms and the voice of our living Jesus Christ. It's astounding. <laughs> so, so, church, you're sitting at home or here. Um, this is the culture that the Spirit of God is creating in his household. So the question for us is this, two things I'll leave us with. Are you devoted to getting together? Will you devote yourself to getting together? Carve it out. Sunday morning, online, in here, whatever it is. You're just going, this is a given. I'm not going to get out of the habit. I've got to meet together. And then the next thing is, you know, are you devoted to investing in one another? Are you in a grace group? Are you pursuing that? You say, no, I'm not in a grace group. I would like to. Awesome. You can text right now. You can text the word group to the number on the screen, 419-289-8334. Text the word groups to that number on the screen. If you go, man, I would love to be a part of that kind of community and relationships and invest in that. Then, then we would love to hook you up. Listen, our, our groups, you know, you guys that are meeting, you stay devoted to this. I know your groups are going to another level. So many of you. Some of you had groups, COVID hit, and they just blew up. Hey, you, you're missing this. You know you're missing this. Regroup. Will you devote yourselves to regrouping? Will you devote yourself to go, man, I got to get back into that grace group? Will you devote yourself into saying, you know what? My grace group's just gone. Well, then will you devote yourself to teaming up with some other people that don't have a group and say, let's do this life together. I mean, this is what creates a kind of culture in the house of God that is incredibly thriving, incredibly thriving.